Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Senior, presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, Coles Wicker is back. It's the second half of our Is This For Real podcast. Uh, Cole, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. You can already tell that the pop on your introduction has been lost a little bit after doing an hour and a half podcast. We were initially planning on doing this all in one podcast, or at least I was, and then Sam was like, this is never going to happen. And of course, he was right, because we went an hour and a half on that. And now we're going to talk uh, some prospects here. Yeah, we'll try not to go an hour and a half because we're talking about like specific guys <laughs> like it, it'll be fine. We're going to go like an hour at least. So, uh, Cole, you were in Portland last night for Oregon Memphis. Uh, I guess that my question for you will just be, you know, how was driving for six hours and what did you see when you got there? <laughs> I timed it pretty well. Um, got to Portland right before a rush hour. So I kind of like squeaked into the Moda Center. Right before four and just kind of hung out there, you know, watch pregame and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's never fun to drive over six and a half hours in one day, clearly. But when you drive at the right times, like I, I traveled back, I think I left Portland at like 11. And some people were like, why don't you just get a hotel? And it's like, I'm too proud for that. Got to make this a one day trip. Uh, but it was definitely worth it. I thought that there were some good takeaways set about uh, five rows up across from Memphis's bench. So good perspective. Uh, get to see the game through the eyes of the quote unquote traditional scouts so <laughs> that's always valuable to do every once in a while so uh let, let's just kind of jump in i mean james wiseman ended up having two fouls within the first five minutes he was on the floor uh, didn't play much in the first half and then was pretty good in the second half i thought so what did you think yeah, I mean, the foul trouble in the first half was obviously a little bit disappointing. I didn't get a great angle on the second one. I know it was a charge. I didn't know if he was set or not. Was that was that a bullshit foul or was that legit? They're all bullshit fouls to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to say? Like, I, I want to see James That's Wiseman on the floor. I, I think it's bullshit that Penny didn't play him. Like, we can blame the refs. We can blame Penny. I want to see James Wiseman on the floor. There were like 50 fucking scouts there to see James Wiseman play him. He ended, by the way, ended up with, I think, three fouls on the night. Play your best players. Yeah, and I think he only sat out, I want to say, like two minutes in the second half. He played the majority of it, thankfully. So we got at least some sample size there. But I, I guess starting from pregame and stuff, like he's definitely a legitimate seven-footer. I mean, you watch him next, stand next to Precious, and you're like, this guy's legitimately sized. And he's incredible. Like, it's, physically, he's a marvel as far as the, the frame, the length. And that's what really pops to me. This is more about like a lesson in like live scouting versus video scouting almost. And live, I, I get why people favor physical tools so much just because you watch guys playing volleyball on the rim and then Wiseman just comes in and it looks like he's like a monster. He's so much bigger than everybody else, so much longer. He can just get to balls that nobody else can. And when you see that on the floor, it's just kind of transfixing. So, I mean, we can get to his game more in depth. I, I thought overall it was okay. There were some concerning points. Um, what did you think about his performance in the second half? Like what stood out to you specifically in, in a positive fashion? I thought this was one of the better defensive rebounding performances that I've seen from Wiseman. Sometimes he can struggle to establish position. Sometimes he can struggle to really high point the ball. I thought last night uh, against a team that has size, that has aggressive guys like uh, Shakur Justin, like there, there are guys uh, that really can cause him issues. And I think he did a good job of holding position and gathering rebounds. I think he did a good job on the offensive glass as well. Um, defensively he was not really a standout i didn't think last night uh at least in comparison to like games that i saw like he made a difference around the basket uh on drives but he was not like i've seen him play better 
defensively. Um, I mean, his finishing around the basket was fine. I think he was like five for seven around the rim and missed the three point attempt. Like it, it was an okay performance from Wiseman and he still went for 14 and 12 in 22 minutes. Like it was, it was a lower end performance that was still productive, I guess is how I would describe it. I definitely liked him on the glass. I thought that was one of the better performances on both ends of the floor. Like the offensive rebounds, he had some really high energy putbacks that I, I really enjoyed. You can just see the effect again that he has not incredible pop from a standstill. We can kind of get into that in the like, quote unquote weaknesses part of his game last night, but I did like his energy on the offensive glass and defensively that one block that he had that rotation block with two hands that was called off because of a foul. I thought that was really nice. Um, I think it came across the paint there. He did show the length and you can just get the balls that a lot of guys can't get to. So I, I would have liked for that block to have counted, of course, because I, I thought that was reflective of his ability. Maybe that gets swept under the rug a little bit just because, of course, it didn't count in the box score. But it was it was one of his right. better plays of the night. I thought the, the timing and execution on that. Right. Um, in general. What did you think of his defense away from the basket? It was kind of what I expected. So what I liked about this game was we got different samples of his pick and roll defense. So we got like slight drops. We got heavier drops and we got some switch plays. He was definitely worse on switches. Like he didn't stay close enough to Peyton Pritchard on a a pull up three. I think it was like a step back three from Pritchard on the left wing. And he's got to close the airspace. I thought one of the plays, he he doesn't turn his hips very well. That's his big weakness to me is he's a good fluid in a straight line running. But as far as like flipping his hips quickly, uh, he got beat. He got the edge there. He couldn't, he doesn't have that quick leaping ability off the ground to actually block the shot. And you just profile that and project it forward in an NBA lead guard. I can't remember who had that dribble drive, but like Dame Lillard, for example, there's going to be a lot of separation created. So I did like some of his pick and roll reps when he was like slightly below the level of the screen. I thought he had some good like help and recover situations, but you did see some limitations as far as his agility, his hips and space. Um, again, sometimes he didn't get all the way out and more of a drop. There were some blemishes and it's mostly, again, I don't think this guy is like a multi-level high level defender. I don't think he's this guy is going to switch, you know, one to five. He's always been more of a drop defender to me. You want him around the rim kind of impacting shots. Yeah, I think we definitely agree on that. I think that the big thing for Wiseman is that um, he needs to be able to kind of cut down the angle and absorb contact and not have guys go through him at the basket. I think that that's like the big thing whenever you're trying to project these drop coverage defenders, which, you know, from the start, I think I've been pretty clear that I think that's what he is. And I think that you've been very clear that you certainly don't really think he's like some unbelievable uh, switch defender or someone who can really even do it competently or coherently. Um, I mean, again, like he had, was it one or two buckets in transition? He had at least one uh, off of an offensive rebound. And I think that one was uh, just like a dump off pass, if I remember correctly, right? I think that's right. Yeah. So like nothing in terms of like him as like a pick and roll diver, uh, you know, accepting a pass and throwing down a lob or uh, accepting something and throwing down something, right? Like it was not, this is not like complicated NBA level actions last night uh, from him. Uh, Like I said, I do think he did a pretty good job with putbacks on the offensive glass, but uh, it was not like a world beating performance from Wiseman uh, in terms of the way that his game is not a standout performance in terms of this guy is going to translate to the NBA as a defensive monster who can be like a pick and roll dynamic threat and do a bunch of shit, you know? 
And I also just think that Memphis is really trying to instill that interior physicality on offense, like posting up. Like he was posting up a lot last night, and he just couldn't get the ball because Oregon's zone was kind of just swarming him. And that's kind of the problem with interior big sometimes is they it's hard to get them the ball in entries, especially in college, of course. Like the pros are much better at this. But even then, like you can deny there's more resistance to a player like that. So we, we did see him eventually get in more pick and dive. Like he, they, were, they had a clear out pick and roll where, where he got that dunk where it was set so the ball handler went to the middle of the floor and then it was basically nobody on the weak side and that's how Wiseman got that dunk which was good yeah. to see I didn't I think I thought he had an alley-oop opportunity I think from a standstill and this is what I've seen on tape is like he's just not he doesn't have that incredible pop from a standstill as, as a like lob catcher like he can because his arms are just incredibly long but really it's mostly his arms and I think that's where he missed that dunk in the dunker spot we did see some interesting usage later in the game like he did take that three and he had that one step back where you saw the instincts this is what stood out to me is like that he started to get into that step back dribble jumper and he got stripped do you remember that play not off the top of my head <laughs> yeah, not to put you on the spot, but I, I just I wanted to get your insights into that because that's kind of what we saw. We've talked about this preseason about his instincts. Like he's he thinks like he's this kind of one on one creator at times, and you kind of saw that when he had nowhere else to go with the ball. His first instinct was to step back off the dribble and try to take a step back jump shot, and it got stripped. So that was a turnover. I just thought that kind of stood out a little bit to me. He didn't really dribble the ball well in, in traffic. That's not something that he really has in his game as far as like one on one in tight spaces. Can he beat guys in that fashion? I just haven't seen that from him outside of transition so he does have touch on his jumper i think the people that say he can't shoot at all like even in pregame warm-ups he made a good amount of shots he gets pretty good rotation it's not like the the best release it's not like carl towns's fluid stroke like i don't think he's going to be this dynamic shooter but he, he at least shows the ability to I, I think his best offensive skill right now is being able to catch you know two feet in the paint lower in and get to that left jump hook um that's his best skill and oregon kind of prevented him from doing that last night yeah, I mean, this was just not, like, a super translatable game just because Oregon plays that, like, junk zone a lot. So you're not going to get, like, a great chance to see him get a run at the rim. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to see him get a chance to, like, set a screen, roll to the weak side, catch a lob. Because while you're right that he's not, like, some ridiculously explosive athlete, he is someone that when he gets ahead of steam can get up off of two feet and can high point a ball above basically anyone in college basketball. But... Against zones, you're just not going to run those kind of actions. And against zones, there's always going to be the backside tag- tagger there. Like, he's just always there. Yeah. Unless I, again, I thought that Penny ran a couple of nice sets where they cleared that out. But for the most part, I definitely agree with you. I think that it was a bad showcase for him just to, to showcase that pick and dive. Even though, again, I, I have some issues with his timing as a leaper as far as in those sets. But I don't know. It, it, overall, I think it really did channel a lot of his negatives in, in a good light. Just because you saw... You saw both sides. You saw some gray area with his pick-and-roll defensive coverage. He had some pretty good reps, I thought. He also had some bad ones. And then offensively, you saw kind of what you're looking at. Like, if he can commit to, like, this energy big type where he can be a play finisher, I I like the offensive rebounding. I think he actually has decent touch. Like, he did have one free-throw line jumper, if I'm not mistaken. So he can knock down some shots, but you're not going to run offense through him in my opinion, like in a LaMarcus Aldridge kind of way. He's just not that good of a shooter right now. No. So, like, that's... Exactly. So, like, what is his... Here's my thing with him. Like, your argument has been, like, his elite upside is going to come as an interior defensive player. I agree. If he hits his upside, it's going to be there. What is he really giving you outside of that? Like, do you watch that game last night and say, I get why this guy is a a number one pick candidate? No, 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 no. Not last night. Um, I don't. And, And, like, to be honest, like, I think that, like, Cole Anthony is much better than he is. Right? So, like, 
like you're not talking to someone who has them at number one like a lot of nba scouts do and like other services and you know websites do right so like last night i watch him and i'm like okay this guy is like just based off of physical size and production probably a lottery pick right but i've seen him look better than that before and it was his own scheme, which means it's not like a super translatable game to what he's going to be able to do offensively. And I think that the idea in terms of his translation is pick and roll that can also pick and pop out to three. Um, but mostly you're going to want to dive into the basket. And I think that uh, in the slightly more open space of the NBA, it might be a little bit easier for him to load off of two feet as a roller and get that kind of vertical pop that he needs to be able to high point a ball and finish. Because, you know, even at the NBA level, there are going to be few players that can stop him and get higher than he can when high pointing a basketball. It's like Mitchell Robinson and probably Rudy Gobert. And that's it. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's the idea. I do, again, have some reservations about just his leaping ability even there. If we get a body out of him as a tag or like a chip or something, can he handle that? Like he is very strong, but can he like absorb that in air? So there's still questions to answer. I agree it was not the best showcase for his full optimal usage on offense, especially. But I did like how the pick and roll coverages on defense diversified a little bit, gave you kind of a nice... Um, lens into that and, and saying like, okay, this guy might not be this dynamic, you know, multi-level defender, which you, you obviously didn't think. I'm just saying this is kind of like a general right, narrative yeah, point. Yeah, that no. I think pe- yeah. So people got a, a good sample in that respect. So I like the fact that he knocked down a jump shot again, because it showcases touch a little bit. Like he, he's a workable shooter. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite one. That's kind of my issue with his overall game is I'm not sure what he's going to be elite at. If it's, if it's not like being a go bear level, like interior defensive anchor. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how concerned are you about Precious Achua? Let me let me say that name it's again. Def- Precious Achua. <laughs> I mean, after watching him yesterday, it's like a man. It's like a seven or eight. Like that airball shot that he had was just like, oh my god! You watch him yeah. shoot around even before before the game. Like he gets pretty good rotation on the ball, but he doesn't make enough shots. And guys when you watch guys warm up, like the good shooters will make almost everything. That's just the case with all basketball players. Like in, in rhythm, in that kind of setting, it's not a live game setting. You can tell who the shooters are like that kid on Oregon, the, the perimeter guy, I don't know his name. Um, the guy that was on fire in the first half last night. Uh, like he can shoot the shit about, out of the ball. Um, fuck. Who was it? It was, uh, it, was not, it wasn't Duarte. Who the fuck was it? No, it wasn't him. Uh, we can get it later in the podcast, but just that. Oh, dude, uh, it was, um, um is Will Richard. No, no, no. Anthony Mathis. You're talking about the guy that was shooting from three. Yeah, it was Anthony Mathis. Yes. I thought you were talking about, um, yeah, you know, it was definitely Anthony Mathis. So, like, when he warms up, you can tell that that dude's a dead-eye shooter. Like, when he shoots yeah. the ball. It's like that's going in consistently. And with Achua, it was all over the place. Like, he, even at halftime in warm-ups, he wasn't making literally anything going around the break. So, it's tough because he looks the part. I, I like how hard he plays at times. He got absolutely rinsed um, early in the game by Oregon's point guard Pritchard, like on a couple change of pace dribbles where he just should not be giving up layups to him. And that's also what what helps like watching a player up close is like just seeing how nuanced Pritchard have to be has to be changing speeds to kind of get those shots off. But there's no excuse for that. Like he should not be getting beat to the rim by Peyton Pritchard. Um, So, I mean, yesterday was one of the worst I've ever seen Precious play. Like if I just watched that game, I'd be like, why the hell is without outside of the physical tools and like the movement ability, which is very, very good. Like, why is this guy considered a potential lottery guy? Um, I don't think he's that. I don't know if he knows how to play basketball. And if he can't shoot the ball, I don't know about the the packages. Yeah. Like last night was this guy's like not draftable. (laughs) I mean, like it was a disaster last night. Um, He was 
better against South Carolina State. I did not think he was like awesome against Illinois Chicago. Like he turned the ball over a shit ton and missed another three pretty badly. So like, yeah, I'm going to say it's at like a seven or an eight. I'm with you. Um, I'm actually pretty worried about him right now. Um, I didn't think Boogie Ellis played particularly well, but Boogie Ellis's game is going to be just like so contingent on how he shoots the ball. Uh, So like, I I don't really know how to feel about that. I will say that I know Memphis is excited about DJ Jeffries long-term. And he, I thought was fine last night. Like he made a lot of shit happen on offense. Like he is definitely someone who has like a feel for scoring the basketball. He has to figure out the rest of the shit, but like I'm semi intrigued there. Yeah, no, he like watching him compete on the glass like that was really impressive like some of his offensive rebounds like just watching him double jump that stood i actually thought some of memphis supporting guys like ba i thought was impressive last night um i was more impressed with those guys than i was like with like relative to expectations of course i was more impressed with those guys than obviously i was with precious or even wiseman to some extent just because i didn't expect that and i think when boogie's not going this is kind of my key takeaway with memphis is like when he's not making shots like their spacing constricts so much because he's the guy that teams worry about when he gets going like you have to start sending players at him like i i think it was the first game of the season no it's the second game of the season against i think illinois chicago i think they opened up in a zone and boogie hit like three threes right away and they got him out of that set and i think he's the guy that really has to move the needle as a floor spacer for Memphis because Precious isn't nobody's gonna care a ton if Wiseman pick and pops so he's got to be able to make shots and he just wasn't doing that last night uh Quinones uh, too needs to be able to do yes. that as well um yeah Ball's a guy that there are some scouts out there that like they're very interested in him like very very interested and think that probably not a one and done but like definitely a potential two and done yeah, no, I agree. I, I was impressed with him. Quinones as well. I didn't know how to pronounce the name, so I let you do it first. <laughs> um, I thought I'm he had a honestly not really nice sure drive. either, so I'm with you. <laughs> okay. I thought he had a couple of really nice drive and kick reads. Like his IQ at times, like I thought he made some pretty advanced passes that I was a fan of. I haven't seen enough of him to say anything outside of that. But I was, again, I was more impressed with those ancillary guys last night relative to expectations than I was uh, some of the higher level guys, especially Precious. Uh, anyone you're excited about on Oregon? Uh, my Precious CJ Walker is barely playing right now, so I am disappointed, but will soldier through. Yeah, he's another guy. I was watching Walker really closely in warm-ups, and he was not making shots either. Like, he was, he could not get Definitely going. Definitely not a shooter. Corners. Not a shooter right now. Um, definitely an athlete. He was incredible in like warm-ups. Like, he was throwing down some dunks, and you're just like, holy shit, this guy's mesmerizing to watch up close. But uh, he could not get shots going consistently. That's going to be huge for him. Didn't get to see enough in-game as far as... Like, he just looks really young out there for the most part. Outside of him, I mean, Houston, we already knew about... like I, The fact that... Oh, one play that Wiseman really fucked up on was a hard closeout on Houston. I don't know why he did that, because Houston's never really been a legitimate shooter, but he can dribble and pass in a straight line. He's a very, very good passer. So at some point... I, I would be interested in, in taking a flyer on juice and I don't think he's necessarily draftable, but maybe like a two way or exhibit 10 or like a summer league invite for sure. I like him there. Yeah. The problem with him has uh, pretty consistently been that he just is a turnover machine. Uh, and last night was no different. Like, I don't think he really sees the game all that well. I've seen some high level passes from him, but I do think I'm starting to think that those are more flash plays than they are like consistently a good decision maker that you want on like the short roll or something. Yeah, no, I don't see that. Like, I, I, I think that it takes him too long to make decisions to be able to do that. Um, I mean, I don't think Anthony Mathis is like a legit, like super prospect or anything um, or like NBA prospect. He's probably a Europe prospect. Duarte has gotten some interesting, uh, some interest 
from NBA teams. Addison Patterson uh, is another guy that I've talked to scouts about. Like they are semi intrigued there. Like they want to see him a little bit more. He's Canadian, uh, had a good, what was the tournament this summer? It was a U19, I believe this summer. Um, and he played really well against Boise state as well, uh, in the, uh, game against Derek Alston. So yeah, there are some interesting guys in Oregon. I don't know that they have like a standout prospect though, especially if CJ Walker is not going to be able to crack the rotation. Yeah, no, CJ Walker is the guy that would move the needle for me. The rest of these guys are more like not draftable. Maybe you take a, a low percentage shot on, on one of them. I, I was not that impressed with Patterson. I, I heard the same feedback from scouts as far as like some guys being interested. He was just kind of out of control too often last night. Um, I got to see more of him overall, but I wasn't really wowed by really any of the Oregon guys. Like Pritchard, some guys even like him. I just don't know if he's going to. I mean, obviously there's athleticism concerns there. I, I do think he probably gets a summer league invite. But he's another one of those guys sure. where I just don't know like where the value is really like he's not draftable to me. Well, here's one. Uh, Chandler Lawson is like six foot eight and has arms that are like he might have like a seven five wingspan. Like his insane. He, if you told me he has like a plus nine wingspan, I would not be surprised. Yeah, but he just can't really jump. Like he has incredible length. Like watching him up close too. He's I, I don't know if I've ever seen like a height to wingspan ratio quite like that. It was so noticeable. But like athletically, I didn't know. I, I'm not really sure if it's there. He's another one of those guys who's also kind of out of control as well. And I, I wasn't really impressed with his decision making last night. But from a tool standpoint, just with the length, it's like you have to look at him. All right, let's uh let's get to the segments here. So uh, our typical segment, Lamelo Ball Watch. Uh, LaMelo Ball went for 24 points, eight assists, made five threes, and uh, I think he only had three turnovers in a game against Cairns uh, last weekend in the NBL. I will just give you the floor. Uh, I was I thought it was genuinely his best game so far in the NBL. Yeah, I think that's fair, honestly. I mean, obviously, it's great to see the shots go in. That's been the main thing is he hasn't been efficient from the field. Um, the passing, like his number is just double that as far as his assists, <laughs> because like he makes so many passes that these guys don't finish that guys in the NBA will finish. Yeah. So I'm not like his numbers there are way better than even the stat lines suggest. So it was good to see the shots. I mean, some of the pull-ups, you, you see, again, the inconsistent footwork, the little input that he has when he has time to really get into his shot. Basically, no lift off the ground. I like that because it removes all of the you know ancillary pieces. You also see the feet sweep on some. I think that was on the foul where he kind of swept his feet forward. That's more of like what he does naturally. So, again, I believe in the touch, but the sometimes here's the, the results are not going to be there with his jump shot. So other than that, it was mostly what I've seen from him. The decisions have been really, really good for the most part with the ball. Um, yeah, I'll, actually, I'm more interested in your opinion here because I kind of like came down very positively on LaMelo. Um, I'm, I'm more curious to see like what you saw that made you say this is his best game and maybe even moved him up a little bit on your board if, if that was the case. Yeah, no, I mean, he's still five for me. I didn't move him up or anything. I'm still like high on him. Like, I st- again, I still yeah. have him at five. Like, I'm relatively in. Um, maybe not comparison to like people who think he's like a contender at number one. But, like, I think he's really, really good. Uh, the reason that I thought it was his best game was actually from the distribution standpoint. It was the translatability of his passes. He threw this one, uh, like, side Insane. pick and roll pass that was, like, behind his back in a closed space where it was a bounce pass that hit the guy perfectly in his hands, like, from six feet away that was unbelievable. Uh, he he threw, like, a 94-foot, uh, you know, football touchdown pass 
to a guy to get him in transition. Like it was, it was his best distribution game of the season, even removing the idea that like these guys miss a bunch of shots. Like he's still at eight assists and probably could have had, like you said, 16. It was just a monster, monster um, distribution performance. And the shot fell like, look on some level, the shot falling matters, right? Like we need him to make shots at some point. And him going five of 11, I think it was from three, that matters. Like his three point percentage went up like 5% in this game because of that. Uh, Getting it up to like a reasonable standard over the course of like a 30 game season. That's really important for him. Uh, Even if it's streaky, even if it's whatever, like getting results on that shot is really important because it helps his team win games. Part of the biggest problem that I'm struggling to get past with LaMelo is that Illawarra is like by far the worst team in the NBL. They have like a negative 10 net rating. Um, And Cairns, by the way, is in my opinion, probably the second worst team in the NBL. Uh, They have like a negative six net rating, something like that. Uh, They're two in whatever, two in six, two in seven now. Uh, Talent wise, like their best player might be like DJ Newbill. Like this is not a, he did this against a team that is not very good. Their defensive coverages were a fucking nightmare uh, in that game. So I do want to see him do it against like some of the good teams in the NBL, but to even see him knock down shots and be this creative uh, and be this efficient in an NBL game, that stuff does matter to me. Yeah. See, for me, the process has been there the entire time. The handle, I think his handle is the best in the class. Like I am not saying he's the best athlete, but he has an incredible handle. I just think he gets knocked too much because of the high dribble, but his control is incredible. He has legitimate dribble moves. I think we've seen the process pretty consistently throughout his entire play this game the shots went down more maybe there were more flash passes but he's been doing that stuff i just think the results weren't really there as far as being remotely efficient from the floor and having like that huge box line um but for me i didn't notice anything again i i'm higher on Lamelo, so i have him in contention for number one so i'm i'm definitely like more in than you are but this is kind of the stuff that I had been seeing. And I think regardless of competition level, like I, I still think he's getting to his spots effectively with his handle. Some of his decisions still really frustrate me. Like some of these floaters that he has, that's my biggest issue is like he had a floater in this game where the clock was kind of winding down. He could have driven and tried to, to draw a foul. It kind of just seemed like he froze and yeah. he didn't want to take the pull up. And then he kind of just took two dribbles in and like attempted this ridiculous shot. And it's like, yeah, that that is an issue for me. I, I'm not one to like really criticize his shot selection so highly. Like that was something that people were like drilling Trey Young about. And I don't think this team on on this team, like you said, Lamelo's team right now, they're not very talented. It's like he has to do a lot of their creation. So I, I don't like the instinct there to like go to the floater and not try to draw fouls. That's one of my biggest concern points of his game. But again, a lot of the stuff that he showed in this game, maybe it was a more concentrated dose. But he's been showing this stuff for, throughout the season, in my opinion. Yeah, the big problem that, like, I, I, it's going to be hard for me to get past the fact that Illawarra is this bad and that we have not seen him play, like, basketball in a competitive environment where winning games is, like, by far the number one priority. Like, it, it's just going to be hard for me to get past that, I think. Yeah, I mean, for me, again, like, Ben Simmons' college team sucks. And I know he's played more high-level basketball before that, but, like, that's, like, the yeah, false argument, yeah. too. It's, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like that argument because of the talent. If you watch Illawarra play, like, they're just not good. Like, it's not LaMelo. Sure. Like, again, his assist numbers be doubled in the NBA. Like, I'm pretty confident saying that. So I can't give him that kind of criticism when it's one guy. It's a team sport. You know what I mean? Sure. And I, I do totally get that. But 
you know, Ben played at Montverde and like played a ton of super competitive, um, high level basketball at Montverde. Like, even though it was like high school basketball, right? Uh, even at LSU, like they were in NCAA tournament contention up until basically the beginning of March, right? Like th- that was not like a disaster team, like the Fultz thing was. And honestly, maybe I am a little bit gun shy from Fultz. Like maybe that is part of this. The fact that, you know, Markel still even now in Orlando and look, his developmental track has been so fucked up and like, I don't really know what to make of it, but like he still doesn't really seem to know, uh, the difference between efficient play and just like making uh like a wild play right like he's still just i think lamella does that i don't know if he does like i I don't know how you can say that like that we know that i feel pretty confident he does i feel pretty damn confident that he knows what a good play is and what he has bad tendencies as a scorer sometimes again with like the floater but i do think he makes high level consistent plays like he's his iq is far superior to Fultz what his was as far as a decision maker like, I, sure. I don't think Lamelo gets enough credit for that. Like, he does make flash plays, but, like, as people a passer, give him a, rant, a ton of... Yeah, yeah. As a scorer, sometimes, yeah. I think it's mostly just the floater settling for that. Like, the shot selection stuff, like, yeah. Some young guards take bad shots. Same with same with Trey Young. Same with... All, all down the line. Like, mostly guard prospects, younger guys take bad shots. To me, it's like, do, do you know how to play? And I don't think you can answer that in the negative for Lamelo. I think his IQ is honestly tremendous for his age, especially considering like, he hasn't run like this structured, like this kind of pick and roll, for example. He can make every read there and he makes them consistently. So I guess that's yeah. where I come down is I'm just higher on his IQ maybe. But I do think Intel, like what you're saying about does this guy is winning the priority, not necessarily worth it in the team but in like his approach to the game and that's where you have right. to get a better idea of how this guy's wired i think mike schmitz came back from his interview and said like I, th- I think this guy has it i think he's not just this glamour guy who got like an incredible car at 16 and you know he's just kind of coasting he wants to play basketball he loves basketball if that's the intel if that's the takeaway then i think people should be more inclined to buy yeah we'll see how this goes there's still you know what three months left in that season so we have some time still we got some time to watch LaMelo <laughs> develop. Um, this this segment will continue to uh, grow and <laughs> mature, and uh, we will continue to fight about LaMelo Ball throughout the course of the year. I'm excited. Um, he's still shooting like 24% from the field and has like a 46 true shooting percentage, but you know, we'll continue to we'll continue to fight the battle <laughs> nonetheless. Um, Support for the Game Theory Podcast comes from Manscaped, who is uh, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Uh, These talking points are just spectacular in so many ways. (laughs) Like, there, there is one that starts with the phrase, Speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I am thankful for their Crop Reviver. Uh, This product with the crop preserver keeps your balls from sweating, smelling and sticking. This is this is a uh, manscaped. It's a beautiful beautiful product. I am a huge fan of it. I just use it on my face. Uh you know, I use the razor. I think it's actually a really really good razor. It is a super super useful piece of equipment um because it has these length extension tools that allows you to get the beard the perfect length that you want it. So, uh, I am a big fan of Manscaped. Uh it is really really useful to me. The tool that I'm talking about is the Lawnmower 2.0. Uh they've redesigned the electric trimmer. Uh with proprietary skin safe technology. Uh, 
it comes inside their perfect package 2.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. We're coming up to Christmas time. It is awesome to uh, get Manscaped uh, in your, I guess it would be in your stocking. It's a really good stocking stuffer. Uh, if you go to manscaped.com, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code theory. <laughs> Uh, that is T-H-E-O-R-Y at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with three ship with free shipping at manscaped.com and use that code theory. Again, uh, clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Uh, if you're showing Santa your nuts, there are probably some bigger, uh, bigger issues going on within your life, but nonetheless, Manscaped is great. You should definitely buy the product. Cole, we're going to do a stock up, stock down segment, I guess, because let's just get super into, let's just get real into like, you know, normal TV bits, right? This is, this is what people listen to the (laughs) podcast for normal, normal television bits. Uh, The first guy I want to talk about was Isaac Okoro. Uh, This is definitely a guy that I am very in on. Now, uh, I had him at 31 on my original board. You've been very high on him for a while. I liked him. My concerns were that, like, he is a little bit small, I thought, um, for someone who's probably going to have to play some four, just given what his skill set is. I don't know if he's going to have to play the four anymore, though. He's just... I think I may be slightly underrated the athleticism as well. He is like a pure wing athlete. He's an incredible defensive player. He is immediately stepping into college basketball and being one of the five best defenders in the entire country. Um, and what I've seen a lot that I like, his feel for the game is really good. Uh, in the game last night against South Alabama, which uh, I think that Cole watched this morning, he was just such an awesome distributor in that game. I, I think that like having him at 31, he was the number 36 ranked recruit in this class, which is just painfully low now looking back at this but like um you know i thought i was doing pretty well having him at 31 this guy's gonna be (laughs) a top 20 pick i think like pretty easily he should be honestly like his tape speaks for itself at lower levels he is one of those guys where he's a multi-level defender he's not only really good on ball like potential stopper in the nba but he's really good off the ball he's got great awareness like he hasn't even gone for steals this this year too much like even on some digs he's playing a little bit more conservative which i think is inhibiting his numbers there as far as creating events a little bit, but he has it there IQ-wise. You watch him at lower levels. He's one of the few wing prospects or perimeter players where you see him making rotations consistently. He knows how to play. You're saying that with the passing. That, that stuff was all there. Like He's he's a really good passer. He's a smart player, and that's what I liked about him is his athleticism in conjunction with his feel. The big issue, of course, the big question mark was the jump shooting. If you watch the Davidson game, that step back three was... I was like, my jaw dropped. I did not expect to see that so quickly. Um, I would have drafted him in the lottery just based on that game in conjunction with his film um, before college. And I know that's coming across as like kind of hyperbolic, but I'm not trying to be. Like, honestly, this, this is what the draft is about, is targeting someone like that. You know, if he's available in the late teens or the 20s, I think that's tremendous value. I will say with his shot, I'm not completely sold yet. I mean, he's a 10-toe shooter when he shoots, so his entire body is usually facing towards the rim. Very hard to align your elbow that way. But I also think that it makes it easier 
to potentially fix. If you just tilt your feet, kind of get that elbow better aligned, his touch has been better than I expected. But I do think that there's going to be some inconsistency with his shooting this year because of his shot style. Like, Clay Thompson shoots like that. It's Clay Thompson, though. You know, like you see a lot of players, like we've talked about this in the past, where, you know, they're tilting their feet, they're getting that elbow more in alignment with their shoulder. Acoro does not shoot that way consistently. So I, I do think there's going to be some inconsistent results. If he makes shots, like he's uh, an easy top 10 guy. I already have him in the top 10. I'm kind of a little bit bullish on his ability to make catch and shoot shots. But the feel and like his decision making is phenomenal for his age for a wing prospect. Yeah, I don't know. Do we need to say more? I, I, I really like the defensive feel. I am questionable about the jump shot. But like you basically just brought up everything that I think is... Uh, in any way applicable to Okoro's game. Uh, last night, particularly, though, was... Like, he was really ridiculously good against Davidson, particularly on defense. Like, he made their guards... Like, like John Axel Goodman's is, like, pretty good. Like, he made their guards just look miserable the entire time that he was out on them. And then last night... Like, just the ability to distribute and play in the way that he does. It was ridiculously impressive. And I will say my last point on him is he did add a lot of strength. Like, he's much bigger than he was in high school, like, filled out. You can just see his frame. You can see this preseason. And he didn't lose athleticism with that. Like, I don't think he's quite as twitchy as he was. That's just going off my memory. I remember him mirroring a little bit better, but he's still great. But it's not like a Nas Little situation where Nas really he bulked up and then he lost i thought a lot of his fluidity and his athleticism he, he became a much more stiff player as far as like run and jump he couldn't move laterally or even forwards as well and it was good to see a coral be able to add to his frame without like trading off like movement ability yeah totally agree um yeah he's up to i would guess like a solid 225 now like he looks like he is a full-on like wing prospect now um yes all right, where uh, where do you want to go next? I'll I'll give you the floor on a player. Yeah, I'm trying to think about any potential razors. I don't have. I guess Jalen Jaden McDaniel's to me, with the caveat being we t- we talked about pre podcast, pre first podcast. I did not see the game last night, but purely on that game that was played in Alaska against Baylor, I was really impressed with Jaden. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I love Jaden's game against Baylor. I-, I thought it was awesome. He made like this ridiculous like whip pass out like on a drive to set up an open three from Naz Carter that was phenomenal in a huge spot late in that game. Uh, I thought his shot selection was pretty good in that game too. That's something that I can get a little bit questionable about with him from time to time. He does like to pull up from like the mid range occasionally. Um, defensively, I think was the biggest thing though he was a monster in that two three zone he is just so big and so long and so fluid athletically like it's just like he's not Matisse Thibel or anything but like he is uh really really uh difficult to deal with in that zone yeah his activity level to me his motor and like the intelligence creating events like getting some shot blocks. I, th- I don't think he got, got credit for a block in that game. I want to remember off the box score. He had at least two, if memory serves. Like, he had some really nice, like, finishing plays sets where, you know, he would come down for a crash down. He was contesting shots. I just loved his activity level. And then offensively, the jump shot looked pretty good. Um, you saw some of the wing skills as far as handling ability. I'm not sure if I buy his handle being incredibly high level, but you get the you at least get the idea of what he could conceptually be as like a slasher to with that length extension, having some body control. If you believe in his ability to add strength, he's a top 10 guy to me. Like just he's like a one wing guy that has creation ability in this class really as far as scoring the basketball. And I, I, I'm pretty 
pessimistic, of course, on his ability to add like difference-making strength. He's just very skinny. He gets knocked off his spots. Like you'll see one of the defensive possessions. I think it was on defense. It might have been on offensive glass. He's got pushed out of the way, and like, that's gonna happen a lot in the NBA. We talk about all the time functional strength. He does not have that. If he did, I, there's a lot to like about his game. Yeah, honestly, I was a little bit skeptical of him coming in uh just in terms of early impact in college basketball uh and again like last night they played mount saint mary's and i haven't watched this game but like he went two of nine from the field uh and turned it over five times in that game against mount saint mary's like he's gonna go through games where he does really struggle i think uh so to see a good game, a big flash game, and a big moment uh, against Baylor, I think that was a really good sign for him. And I think it was a really good start to the year for him, uh, particularly. He got to the line a lot in that Baylor game, too, if I remember correctly. He was, uh, I want to say, maybe maybe seven times, something like that, like maybe eight times he got to the line. Like, he was pretty consistently attacking the basket. And yep was pretty good at changing the angle on the rim protector to make it so that uh, it was not super easy to contest his shot without fouling. Yeah, and the reason I brought him up as a riser is, is relative to expectations. I had not seen, he was one of the guys I had the worst feel on coming into this year. And I think that Baylor game just kind of blew my expectations out of the water. Like for me, it was mostly all positive. Does he live up to that over the course of the season? I don't know. I got to watch the game from last night, continue to watch him over a greater sample. But at least from an initial point of view, he impressed me a lot more than I expected. So... I, I would not say that like he's like a stock up or stock down guy for me, but one specific skill set from the Washington uh, now two games that have been played, I would say that Isaiah Stewart's rim protection has been really good. Uh, that is like one skill that you and I talked about in the preseason that like he's really got to have to be able to stick in the NBA. You watch that Baylor game for the last 10 to 12 minutes. He completely shut down Baylor from being able to finish at the basket. Like he put a lid over the rim. Uh, I want to say he had two or three blocks in that game. And then last night, again, I still haven't seen the Mount St. Mary's game, but he blocked five shots in that game. Um, if he can be a legit rim protector, that does really solidify him in a pretty big way. Do you remember how many of the blocks came on the ball versus like rotations? I don't off the top of my head. With the, I got to rewatch that for uh, in the Baylor game. I, I don't recall. Well, it, it's hard uh, to like be out here like calling out you know how many come from <laughs> rotations in a zone right like he had three blocks in that game but like everything is like a rotation coming from the weak side right because uh, like if he gets beat that's his responsibility to step up and help uh if the perimeter man gets beat i'm sorry like his responsibility is to step up and be there to help um so i guess in that scenario like yeah most of it is most of it was help but uh nonetheless like if he's there in like a solid rotating fashion, it's really impressive. Uh, he's he's a really good player. I'm a big fan of Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, I'm more skeptical on him. I think like his defensive rotations were okay if they if memory serves, especially late in the game. I did think he just lacks. If we're, we're talking about projection and translatability, I think the lack of pop is really going to hurt him. I, I don't. See, think like, he's a I great thought keeper. it was a little bit better against Baylor. Like I thought from what I've seen in high school, like I thought that the pop was a little bit better. He was using his length better. He was using uh, the principle of verticality a little bit better. And I thought he was getting up just a little bit more, not a lot more, like a little bit more. Interesting. Yeah. For me, it was more in alignment with what I had seen. Like he's going to get exploded over the top of, I agree. He uses his length. Well, he's dude is just crazy strong. But I, I didn't see that pop on either end that I'd really look for as like either a play fisher or as an interior defender if he's going to be a five, which I think is going to have to be a five. Definitely right? a five. Four. Yeah. 
So, like, you know, leverage's strength there, that's going to be his biggest, you know, positive is because the guy is just huge. He's really well built as far as, not height-wise, but just body composition and then having the length. But I didn't see the pop. Enough of that for me to, to really bite as an overall athlete. Um, I, I got to go back and watch his rim protection, though, specifically. I, I don't remember being as wild by it as, as you seem to be here. But um, I, I think he was fine, especially to close the game. I thought he got stronger. Uh, do you want to you want to yell one out or do you want me to yell another guy out here in Stockwatch? You keep going. Hashtag Stockwatch. Uh, <laughs> let's go with Devin Vassell at Florida State. So Devin Vassell uh, last year at Florida State, I think he attempted two uh, shots off the dribble. And in the first game against Pittsburgh, he made three shots off the dribble. Um, Then they played Florida in uh, the next game and he was pretty good. Like he's pretty good at creating his own shot. And uh, he didn't make like a crazy level of them. Like I think he was six of 15 from the field, but you know, he grabbed six rebounds. He had a couple steals to me. He looks like a really solid, you know, potential maybe secondary ball handler, probably a guy that is more in the um, just true wing category, but at six foot seven. And if he can play defense, that's totally fine. And you know, if he can knock down shots off the dribble, that's huge too. The pull-up shooting for him is probably the biggest surprise skill that any returning prospect that I've seen so far added to their game. I was legitimately stunned when I saw how fluid he looked in that first game. Just, I think, like you said, he had four pull-ups, and they were all like, I want to say, early to mid-second half. It was like a concentrated dose. You're like, holy shit! Like I didn't see that from him when I watched his tape last year. I actually didn't think he had that much off movement. He was mostly a catch and shoot guy. Um, I did like some IQ plays by him, and he has the length. I don't know about the strength necessarily, but if he's knocking down pull-up shots and there's more functional on-ball ability than we were led to believe as a freshman, like I'm very much interested in him. Like I think he should definitely be, you know, he should be mocked in, in most mock drafts. Like he should be a top 60 guy in my opinion. Um, and he yeah. can work his way up, maybe even to the late first round. I mean, he's, he looks like a potential rotation wing player. I'm still a little dubious on the ball skills, like the handle and whatnot. But if he can have a diverse shot and his shot gives you more confidence and just even the catch and shoot translating. He was like, I think it was always like low to mid 70s, I want to say, in high school shooting from the foul line, for example. He's never been a knockdown guy, but if he's going to put convincing evidence on tape that he can be like a multifaceted shooter, like that is huge for his outcome. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I agree with you that he'll be in like my 50 range right now and has like a real chance to like really move up. I had him as a top 100 guy entering the year, but like he's definitely better than that, I think. Uh, Paul Reed at DePaul is another guy. I'll give you the floor on Paul Reed. Yeah, he's going to be really fascinating. If you look at him physically with the length and stuff, he looks like a first-round prospect. Like, if you just saw him, you'd be like, that guy's probably going later first round. Um, movement ability, I think he... He looks a little bit more fluid to me moving on the perimeter this year. I think sometimes he can be a little bit stiff, but overall, he moves well enough, uses his length incredibly well on defense. We talked about this off the pod, but I'm most curious to see if NBA teams buy the jump shot. That's where the analysis starts with him is, do you buy this slight pause in his release? Like, he doesn't have a fluid stroke, but the evidence is, is actually pretty decent. Like, he's mid-70s from the foul line. He does make even some shots off the dribble. He made a couple nice touch floaters in this most recent game, so there, there's some to buy into there. That's where I most I'm most fascinated to see if, if teams if they'll roll the dice on his shooting upside potentially being like a capable shooter because if that's the case I could easily see him going in the 20s so I'm I'm very interested and I think he was the guy that was I think he was within the next three so I had him at like essentially 63 entering the year um 
I will be very interested to see if he can continue to guard away from the basket. Um, Right now, he's basically a pure four, you would agree, right? Yes. Which is like kind of a weird spot in today's NBA. Although, like, I think there is kind of a role for this just to be like a pure four who can take advantage of smaller guards while like if you're a pure four who can guard smaller if you're pure four on offense who can maybe shoot a little bit and then like guard smaller guys with your uh, footwork on defense that's a very valuable player I think like being able even if you're not like some awesome ball handler and not like some incredible decision maker which he's not like he's not some guy that's going to be able to you know be a uh, high post creator who can uh you know dribble drive and hit like a cross corner kick out that's just not within his skill set but he is six foot nine with like a seven one seven two wingspan and having that kind of size and having that kind of touch uh around the basket and the potential to shoot the ball from distance which he's uh four of six this year from three he made 40 percent on limited attempts last season from three uh I, i'm intrigued I'm very intrigued by what he brings to the table, especially if he can continue to showcase the uh, the general versatility that he's shown so far defensively in uh, the way he's been able to guard away from the basket a little bit. Very much agree. I thought a lot of his play last year, he has great length. Like He's got to have a, a, a definitely a positive wingspan for sure. And I thought yeah, a lot of what uh, he did last year affect good. I'm pretty sure it's like seven one seven two. Um, from yeah, it, it looks that solid. So like I thought like last year. I mean, he's a pretty good team defender. I think he's been really good at certain stints to start this season. He never really popped to me at the same extent last year. I think some of that was movement based though. If he can be like a multi level defensive player and like be a backline guy too and give you some weak side rim protection, I think that's big. I would be really high on him if he could like straight line slash on offense. If he could like take you one on one off the dribble and kind of like laid in and like extend over the top. I haven't seen enough of those kind of coordinated finishes from him. I would move him up a good amount if that was the case. But overall, it, most of it comes down to the jump shot in Dubai. This is the, the classic kind of evidence touch based argument versus the mechanics aren't aesthetic at all. Do you buy that? And, and I'm very curious to see if NBA teams do. Okay, let's go to the next guy here. Would you rather have Paul Reed or Zeke Naji? right now i think probably read right now i've i've seen Najee, but i don't feel i i he's one guy i didn't see a lot of pre-college so i don't have as much of a base on him yet so i'm very intrigued by Najee. um he is starting to become like have you heard similarly in regard to him becoming he's like kind of the hot name right now in regard to like uh he is like a potential one and done kind of guy have you kind of heard similarly I haven't really heard one and done like emphatically. I have heard that Arizona seems to be most high on him long term of the prospects on their team. Yeah. And whenever you have Nico Mannion and uh, Josh Green on the same team, that's saying a lot. And that's definitely a thing like Arizona is definitely hyping him up pretty hard. Uh, I think that he is kind of like a 6'11 four man or like a 6'10 four man with like a plus two plus three wingspan because he doesn't have the ability. He's kind of a tweener, I guess is my problem. And I kind of feel the same way about Paul Reed a little bit. Um, but I think Reed just kind of has a little bit more length. And I think I trust him a little bit more on defense right now. Um, and I trust his jump shot a little bit more, but with Najee, he's very intriguing. And I think he's definitely a draft pick at some point. I sent you the cross racial comparison of Tyler Hansbro uh, earlier <laughs> this week. Uh, 
he reminds me a lot of Tyler Hansborough in regard to uh, the way that he really has great lateral quickness, the way that he is really good at uh, just kind of finding ways to carve out like little bits of space, despite being like not super like duper strong, but also uh, still having like kind of a thicker frame as well. Also not a guy that is a good defender right now, in my opinion, near the basket. It's kind of a parade to the basket whenever he's on the floor, in my opinion, uh, as the five man, particularly like he just doesn't react well enough uh, coming over from the weak side to help his teammates when they get beaten. But he is a good high energy, high motor rebounder. He's a good um, cutter to the basket. He has really good hands. Uh, he is someone who can finish above the basket and can uh, has great touch around the basket as well. Uh, yeah, like I, I think he is an NBA player. I do think, though, that if I was him, I would want to see him. Like, I think if he returns to college basketball next season, he's like a no question All-American. If he goes to the NBA this season, I'm not convinced he's like, like, I don't think he's this year's like Jackson Hayes. Like, I think Jackson Hayes just had like a cleaner positional fit and like a bit more of a translatable game. I think Jackson Hayes is a better athlete. Like, on offense, you can see it yeah. especially. Like, Miss Gills, like, I, I don't think Najee's that explosive. Like, that's something that sticks out for me. I think he's really coordinated, but probably not even as coordinated as Hayes. Hayes ridiculous coordination hayes but I, I don't i mean hayes is like in certain athletic respects like you're not going to top him in, in certain ways but also hayes was pre- probably even farther advanced defensively and he has a ton of issues on defense he has to work out but i agree with you on defense with Najee. I, I think he's more of a five offensively but probably more of a four defensively and those players tend to be harder to fit into winning constructs uh, he's definitely not ready for the nba right now on defense like he's okay moving in space i don't think he's necessarily like great He's, he's probably, to be more accurate, he's probably very good as far as for his size, body composition. He has good agility. He has good fluidity as far as his movement skills overall. I wish he, again, I wish he was a little bit more explosive. You have seen a little bit of diversity. I think he, if he can like handle the ball in like a face up setting, like I talked about with Reed and like straight line slash and like kind of extend, I would like him a little bit more. Where, how do you feel about him compared to Nas Reed last year? In what respect? I mean, they're like totally different players to me. That's what I'm saying. Like compare those two, like not as far as like approach, as far as like motor or anything. That's not what I'm getting at. More like a coordinated athlete. Like I think Reed can do more of the ball, like as far as a ball handler. Like he had some ridiculous stints pre-college. I think he's probably the better offensive bet to even shoot above the break threes, even though I think that Najee has some shooting upside. I, yeah. I just don't know. Like to me, they're both like more offensive fives um, and not they're, they're giving up too much on the defensive end right now. Yeah, I, I would agree. They're both giving up too much on the defensive end right now. Um, I would agree with you that Naz is a better shooter from distance, but like Zeke actually can guard away from the basket a little bit. Like, whereas Naz yes. is just going to be like a total fucking nightmare out there and you have to yeah. play him in drop coverage. I actually think like Zeke has some switchable upside uh, where you might could be able to guard like ones and twos at some point in his career. Uh, he's he's real. His feet are really good. I think like his fluidity and coordination, I think is like kind of different for a guy who's six foot 10. Um, no, I agree. His motors, the, the big difference between the two though, is like his Zeke's motor is just way higher. Like he, he just plays way harder. I think um, he's, I will say this too with Zeke. One thing that I don't think he has the passing acumen yet, but he is very comfortable in that short roll range. Um, 
like he's just very comfortable accepting a pass like 16 feet from the basket and he doesn't make like a quick decision with it but he doesn't turn it over and shit his pants either um in a way that i think is potentially developable yeah no that's fair i have have to see more of his decision making overall like what stood out to me the most is the coordination athletically i I wish again he was more explosive and i brought the nas reed comparison just because i feel like with naji I think right now you're mostly drafting him for offense. Like he does have switch potential. Yeah, I, agree I, I might I might be a little bit more skeptical on his switchability than you, but I, I do think he does move well for his size. So we'll kind of see how well he mirrors. And I don't think switching is good enough, and I'm not saying you do either. As far as you have to have some kind of acuity off the ball, as yeah. far as team defense and stuff, it's just he's more of a wild card to me right now. I'm definitely interested. Um, I, I don't know if I agree with the sentiment that he's the best prospect on Arizona. Uh, I, I think that has a long way to go as far as being worked out. Like Nico played pretty well the last game, and I thought Josh Green has done some some nice things. I'm not to that point, but I get the allure at least with Najee. Yeah, to me, he is still their third best prospect. Um, Nico was ridiculous against Illinois. He was unbelievable against Illinois. The quick, like lightning fast decision making, uh, dropping dimes to dudes all over the court, uh, be it in transition, be it in half court. He's hitting cross corner kickouts. Um, his floater game was absurd in that game. He was he was just like special in that game uh, in a way that I'm like, oh, that guy might be like an All-American this year versus when I watch Zeke, I'm like, okay, this guy's good. Like he's really talented and really fluid athletically. But like Nico, I was like, holy shit, this guy is just like getting wherever he wants on the floor despite the fact that Illinois is like throwing athletic defenders at him and it just didn't matter. He was just dominating with a ball screen. Yeah, no, and you saw the passing, like the vision really popped in this game. Like the quick, some of the quick decision-making... Yeah, it was the vision and the quick decision making. It wasn't like it was it was a combination of two because they're very different skills to like be able to see the floor and then being able to read and react like Nico has both of those things. He is very good at being able to immediately react to what he sees on the floor and diagnose it and just make that rapid decision. Yeah. And you saw that he fits and passes into tighter windows a a couple on the move passes that were good, a couple hit aheads, but I thought the half court execution was much better from him this game. Still doesn't have elite level anticipation as a passer. Like he's clearly behind LaMelo for me, and he's not like Trey Young level as a passer, in my opinion, from what I've seen. But I, this was definitely like the game where you saw, okay, this guy definitely has plus vision and he does think quickly. He's, he, did, he didn't look like a freshman in this game, which was big. I liked, I mean, getting to the pull-up was good. Like, he, he's very quick into his shot, which benefits him a lot. Like, the off-movement three he had wasn't really an off-movement three. He kind of, like, spun around off a left-foot pivot and then shot a catch-and-shoot, but it was quick. And that's what you look for there. He's going to be able to shoot it. I thought his floater game was there. The touch you could was very evident. He has He's actually pretty explosive in those situations off one foot. He gets yeah. more lift than, like, a Trey Young does on his floater, where he's legitimately bouncing off off one kind of helps him ease that you know size um length extension gap a little bit in those settings you saw the the floater come to fruition there i didn't think his handle looked particularly great that's something where i I don't seem to be on the same page as a lot of people as far as like his deceptiveness like he didn't split pick and rolls well i think he had one where he turned it over he just couldn't get really low you didn't see like an explosive dribble move I, i don't know if his handle is high level i think he's more just He's, he's got okay burst. I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's anything great as far as top-level speed there. I would like to see a little bit more complexity to his handle and a little bit more deception. 
Uh, let's let's go to a guy who I am not particularly excited about right now. Uh, I had Wendell Moore at 15, I think, coming into the year on my board. Wendell Moore is not very good right now. Um, there's just kind of not another way to put it. Uh, he is one of the youngest players in the class, so it's fine. There's time to turn it around. But he looks like he's a step slow out there. He's never been the best athlete in the world. Um, he looks like things are moving way too quick for him out there. His decision-making has not been great. He's turning the ball over. Uh, he just does not, uh, does not look like anything resembling a one and done right now. I agree. And I think he looks sped up and he looks his age and that's to be expected to some extent. He definitely, he's not setting the world on fire in his first couple of games. He's someone who I want to be a little bit more patient with over the course of the year and see how he progresses. Once he gets a little bit more comfortable, definitely going to have to shoot. And he has not put convincing evidence from, you know, three point line extended. Another one of these guys who's a very, very good free throw shooter historically, like mid eighties, which for his size build, like as a secondary ball handler slash wing is a really good number. But you want to see more confidence from three. Is that believable? The decision-making, I agree. It's sped up, but it's also not making great decisions overall. Like, he had one dribble drive. We took a pull-up under two guys when he had Matt Hurt one pass away relocating in their game last night. I, I watched that game this morning. That's just one play that stood out where it's like the easy read there is just to kick it to Hurt. And I think he might have even made the pull-up, but that's not the point. The point is, like, are you making the right play? I just want to see what happens with him when the game slows down. I actually thought he, he showed okay feel at lower levels. Like, even in the Hoop Summit game, he threw some nice passes. I think he kind of yeah. knows how to play we just no, haven't really seen that i think he definitely knows how to play um like anytime i've seen him any event i've been really really like impressed with him knowing how to play and him making the right decisions and not taking bad shots he's kind of a mess right now though he's doing all of those things and doing them poorly yeah and i think again some of that is age and i want to see how he looks for the rest of the year I, I just i think that he's someone that people should be a little bit more patient with as he works his way into form but i agree with your sentiment that it's hard to come away with his first couple games with anything other than being a little bit pessimistic so uh scotty lewis uh <laughs> is already 19 turns 20 in march he is not starting for florida his offensive game looks kind of messy uh let's, let's maybe let's just uh, ignore ignore this maybe because i love scotty i don't i don't want scotty to be bad college basketball is less fun if scotty lewis is bad <laughs> Yeah, it's been a really rough start. I've watched all of Florida's games, even preseason, and just offensively, I don't know what he does right now. Like, I love the way, I love how unselfish he is. Like, he really does try to make the right play, but he's so sped up all the time. Like, his decisions haven't been good. Like, his skill level is just not there. Like, the three-point shot does not look convincing. Like, his handle, whenever he tries to do things, you're just like, uh, I don't get what the attempt was there. And defensively, he makes some splash plays. I mean, the guy's a crazy athlete. He seems like a great kid, so I'm pulling for him. But early, it's just like a translation to the NBA game. If he was a Koros build, like, I would have more interest. If he was 6'8", for example, I'd be like, okay, let's, let's get a little bit more. Let's have some more flexibility here because we're talking about maybe a big wing defender with that kind of athleticism. But he's 6'5", and he's narrowly built. I don't know. He's more of like a guard to me. And this is the kind of player that the NBA does, I think, a pretty – bad job of integrating and there's a reason for that and it's because like he doesn't really have guard skills he's more of like a combo forward in a in the body of a two guard yeah um i'm sad <laughs> <laughs> there's just not another way to put it i'm just bummed about the fact that scotty lewis has not been very good uh and then kentucky loses to evansville last night let's just like quickly discuss uh just what happened, I guess, maybe is the way to put it. Like, Evansville got hot, and, like, 
Sam Cunliffe was really good in that game. And Kentucky was, uh, I think everyone like kind of anointed Kentucky as the number one team in the country. Like they got 64 of 65 AP votes. Like I didn't think they were anywhere near like the unanimous number one. I think they, they had an argument to be number one. Certainly uh, they beat Michigan state. And I think that they're a interesting team that could be there at the end. They have a lot of talent and they have some uh, offensive ability and shooting ability, but I, uh, also just felt that they were not as dominant as apparently the rest of the country thought. Like I thought that Michigan state game was just like super messy and they happened to be the team that came out on top. Um, Last night, it was just not a particularly cogent offensive performance. Uh, They are playing Tyrese Maxey enough. It's just weird that he's coming off the bench. I don't really understand what they're doing with his minutes. Like, is the idea to, like, maybe get their bench, like, a little burst, maybe? Um, Maybe, like, they have a, you know, older point guard, quote-unquote, in Ashton Hagens, and they have quickly use a sophomore, and, like, they feel good with those guys starting the game. But, like, Tyrese is their best player. Like, this isn't debatable, right? Oh, he's easily their best player. It's not even close to me. And, like, I think Cal, I mean, he has been initiating sets. Like, against Michigan State, of course, he, he had it going. So it's not like Cal's going to take the ball out of his hands. But I do think there needs to be more of an impetus on getting him the ball and letting him kind of run the offense and run it through him. Because I even thought he had some really nice plays in this game. Like, I, I was pretty impressed with some of the dribble drives, and he made some sound decisions uh, for the most part. N- nothing high level as far as reads, but the simple play, that's what he does better than most prospects in this class enough. And I, I do think they need to run more through him because like, I, I get that Higgins is an, is an older player, but I, I just don't think he's that talented offensively. He's not the kind of guy that you're going to run your offense through effectively. And I was on, I was pretty skeptical of Kentucky coming in. I agree with your assessment on their first game. Like shooting's going to be a big concern for these guys, floor spacing. I mean, they have the athletes pretty clearly, but do they have the execution in the half court especially? Um, I'm still pretty dubious, but I also had Florida ahead of them, and Florida was egregiously bad against Florida State. So uh, listen to you instead of me here. (laughs) I think that the big thing that worries me for them most right now is that Khalil Whitney does not look ready for this on offense. Um, He is just not skilled enough to create his own plays. Like he's basically going to have to be like a spot up catch and shoot like floor spacer and have to make 38% of those threes. And I don't know if he can do that yet because and I know that he can't really create off the dribble yet unless he's out in the open floor. So I think that that's what worries me. They're going to have to play if they can't play him a ton. Uh, and he played 23 minutes last night. Like you, you want him to be able to play 30 minutes. Uh, if you can't play Khalil Whitney a ton, you're talking about playing two bigs in all likelihood because um, you're probably going to have to play uh, Nick Richards, who has been solid so far. Like I think he's been pretty good. Uh, especially on defense in the Michigan state game, especially as well. Um, you're play like Nick Richards. You're going to play EJ Montgomery. You're going to play Nate Sestina. Like you have to play two of those guys on the floor at once. And then like a combination of Hagen's quickly, Maxi, maybe Whitney, maybe Keon Brooks, maybe Johnny Juzang. Like it's it, the lineups become a lot less intriguing. If Khalil Whitney isn't good. Yeah, because really he's a four. Like he's not skilled enough to be a three. I think when they can run three guard lineups out there with Maxi, then Hagens. I think quickly has honestly been their second best player. Frankly, like I think he's been pretty good. And if you if you can play him, maybe not when you incorporate defense with if you want to say Nick Richards, but I think quickly's shooting ability is really important to their team. So if you can run out yeah, the three guard lineups, maybe play Whitney more at the four. That that kind of corrects itself a little bit. 
uh, I'm yeah. I, again, I was more skeptical on Kentucky coming in, so this is more in alignment with what I thought. Not not them losing to Evansville, clearly, but the struggles that they have undergone. I I, I did not see best team in the country, um, really ever with them. The the weird take here is like I know Ashton Hagens is like kind of their emotional leader, but I wonder if his skill set is somewhat marginalized by having Maxi because Maxi is also just like a stud on ball defender. Like he's not as good as Maxi yes. on ball or not as good as Hagens on ball. Like he's really good on the ball, and I wonder if like your best lineup will include your emotional leader in Hagens if like you can just trust Maxi to handle the on ball defense and the on ball creation. Yeah, that's probably fair. I think Maxie's on-ball defense has been actually really, really good. I would say with the length and the size, he might be even better, even though Hagen's creates like more events pressing. Like he's a better like press guy if you want to just hound somebody's point guard. Like I think Hagen's could probably do that more effectively right now because he's just kind of wired to do that. But Maxie, I, I felt like his footwork, how light he is, and like his contained defense has been really impressive this year, to me at least. No, I totally agree. And I think he's a really, really good defender and has always been a really, really good defender. Uh, yeah. I'm somewhat concerned but not like overly concerned just because i didn't have kentucky as like this runaway number one um i i don't know we didn't really watch ohio state villanova which is happening like as we speak uh did you you didn't watch that while we were podcasting right no i usually i tend not to watch things on the side (laughs) just i get distracted yeah, no, same here. Um, like, Ohio State got this, like, I'm just looking at the box score now. Like, Ohio State got, like, a well-rounded performance from, like, all of its guards. And Villanova was a dumpster fire. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl struggled. And, you know, Cole Swider was, like, their saving grace as a shooter. So, you know, this, this is where we're at. <laughs> this is where we're at with Villanova this year. It's not going to be great. Um, is there anything else you want to bring up in regard to prospects? Any other guy who has really uh, stood out in some way for you? I would just say I was already really high on this player, but I just want to say a Kongwu. I, you were high on him as well. You had him as a first rounder in your mock draft. I just think from I think I might have even mentioned this before in the podcast, but just want to say again, like he's so impressive as an athlete. Like his quickness off the floor, like the Ridiculous. bounce, the quick bounce that he has. And he, he had, I didn't watch this game yet, but he I think Wasserman tweeted this clip of a spin move that he had last night, and it looked like like a guard spin move. It was so fast. I just think that his coordination is something I think he can do. I've said this before, but I think he can do a little bit more on the ball than he gets credit for just with his coordination and like how good his touch is with either hand. I'm really impressed with him. I, I do think, you know, he got pushed around by Portland's backup big. Like he does have some issues anchoring. I don't think the NBA coaches are going to trust him starting at the five but i do think he's one of these big that's going to gain value in the playoffs when teams downsize a little bit i just really like him to me he's like a, a surefire like top 20 guy and you could talk me into the lottery probably depending on how good the rest of the class is because i do think his i think he's an nba guy like almost for sure and i like his floor as like a third big i, I don't know about starting ability in the regular season that's my only point of emphasis because i think he's definitely a five he's not a four um, and I'm worried that teams will be struggle to incorporate that, but I, I'm a really big fan of his. Uh, I'm also a really big fan of Xavier Tillman. Uh, I really just enjoy watching him. I, I just want to mention that. Like sim- similar deal where like he is not the impressive athlete that a Kongwu is, but like kind of an undersized center as well. That but like he has a bit more length. I I don't know. Who do you think has longer arms, Tillman or uh, a Kongwu? I think on tape, Tillman's pops a little bit more to me. Um, I, I think Akong yeah. has like a seven-one wingspan. I think Tillman has a little bit is a little bit longer than that. Yeah, and he just has like the strength that uh, Anyeka doesn't have 
quite yet. Like, I'm not saying that uh, Okongwu isn't strong, because he is. But, like, Tillman is, like, just a monster inside. And he's just, like, so smart. He is, is constantly setting screens, constantly uh, doing all of the little things that you want from, like, an NBA big man. Like, he's a pro playing college basketball right now, I think. Yeah, I love his mental approach. I, I love the way he thinks the game. Just a tremendously smart player. I have some... We, we talked about him pretty expansively in the past i want to see a little bit more from him as like a one-on-one kind of slasher type to see if that he has it in him i'm not sure how much i buy the jump shot being like legitimate i think he's a capable shooter so that's going to help um i I am a fan of his as well i think he's a really good basketball player i don't know i don't don't think i really have anyone else that like i feel like i really need to talk about do you have anyone one guy i'm looking for is toshibwe i didn't get a great sample the first time i watched him play like he he does make some really splash plays in space he can really move he's so fast Uh, but i have a pretty poor sample thus far i think he only played i want to say like 14 minutes in his first game that's the only one i've seen i want a bigger sample of his but he's another guy that i think is flying a little bit under the radar somebody who definitely has the strength like 258 pounds he has great length um so if you aren't familiar with his game if any listeners listening to this, I would check him out on West Virginia. I, I am a little bit less enthused about him than Cole is. I will, as a pro. <laughs> He's going to be like a monster at West Virginia. He's going to be so good in that scheme. I think he's a two-year player too, in large part because like Derek Culver's already there. And I think it's going to be really hard to play uh, both Shubwe and Culver on the court at the same time. But yeah, like he's going to be a monster at West Virginia, probably 2021. 20, yeah, no, I'm with you. I want. To, I just want to see more. I, I don't have any like hardline stances on him yet because I just haven't seen enough tape. Like I, I trust Akongu more based on the sample that I've seen. I just want. To, he's one guy that I, I haven't seen enough of. And the same goes for the Houston prospects because I think their first game was last night, and that's one of the few teams with prospects on it that I have not seen yet this year. Um. Yeah, I think that's all. That's all I got. That's all I have. Uh, you have no one else. You said right. You. You don't want to go on another 10-minute dialogue about LaMelo? Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, if we're going to go on a 10-minute dialogue, it's going to be about the movie Parasite. Uh, I saw it this weekend, and it is genuinely one of the best movies I've seen this decade. Jesus. like, what, Is it embarrassing to say I don't even know the context of what this movie is about? So it is, do you know the guy who directed Snowpiercer, uh, Bong Joon-ho? I don't. I, I've seen like five minutes of that movie. So... Uh, Korean director directed this Korean movie. Uh, all of his movies have a backing in um, the differences between classes, basically, and how different classes uh, interact with one another uh, in society. And this one is like a it's like it's like part comedy, part um thriller part like it's it, there's a lot going on. And I almost don't want to go like too deep into the plot just because. I would implore everyone to go see it because it is just unbelievable in terms of the way it's crafted, um, in terms of the way it's shot, the set design, um, the script from a structure standpoint, from a dialogue standpoint. Um, the cinematography is great. Uh, the like you can go up and down. It's well acted. Like you can go across the board. It's just a perfect movie and it's incredibly entertaining and incredibly thought provoking. It's just really fucking good. Yeah. Now you, you sold me. So I, I don't, again, didn't have any context previous to this. I did see your tweet about it. So that's exciting. And then, uh, have you heard of the lighthouse? Is that the one with Rob Pattinson in it? Yes. Okay, I, I did see the preview for that in, in theater. Yeah, it looked kind of interesting. Yeah, I saw that this weekend. It was worse. It was good. It was it was not as good as Parasite, but it was 
very different than Parasite, but very good. Um, it was uh, it the it should be nominated for the Academy Award for cinematography. It looks fucking exceptional. Um, not as thought provoking in terms of script, but is incredibly well acted and incredibly well shot. This is a comprehensive podcast, man. People look forward to your movie takes. <laughs> what they do? It's crazy now. Um, what uh, what have you uh, have you seen anything recently? No, dude, I barely get to the theater. The last one I saw was Joker, which we already talked about. Um, that's I, I barely see movies in the theaters anymore. Like I'll see Star Wars, of course, like the big time ones I'll go see. But for the most part, it's like I'm definitely not as much of a movie buff as you are. Have you bought Star Wars tickets yet? Uh, no. Yeah, I, I probably I, should have. <laughs> yeah, w- w- wife and I have already bought uh, Star Wars tickets. We're very. It's excited. a big flex by you. <laughs> yeah, That's we're awesome. we're like a hundred percent in. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I've seen, I'm up to 144 new movies I've seen this year. 77 of which have been movies that were released in 2019. Um, I watched The Brink, which was the documentary on Steve Bannon last night. Oh boy, that one is a. Uh, that one's wild. That one's on Hulu. That one's you don't even have to go to the theater to see that. I'm in. I'll watch that. Uh, speaking of shows, I am working my way slowly to the wire. I have like six episodes in season four. I don't know if it's my favorite show of all time, but I'm pretty sure it's the best show that I've ever seen. Like as far as just the execution, it's it's really really good, man. Like I wish they still made shows that were like this good and like this perceptive about shit. Like the season four getting into. You know education and shit like that i think it's really well done yeah totally agree on the wire have you uh bit the uh or gone for it and uh downloaded disney plus yet to watch the mandalorian i have not unfortunately i'm probably going to <laughs> first episode is good it's a little bit it takes a minute to like get into its rhythm but it's the end of it is really good is what i will say um the first and there's only yeah, both there's my one best episode friends. God. Yeah, both of my best friends, they, they bought that like right away and they watched it immediately. And that was their complaint as well as there is only one episode. So I'll probably end up buying the bullet. Have you seen The Boys on Amazon? Yes. Yeah, watched the whole thing. Uh, part of it on my honeymoon, actually. Okay. What'd you think? Liked it a lot. We, we will definitely watch the second season. It's a good inversion of superhero tropes um, where the superheroes are the bad guys. I'm all in on it. Uh, I completely agree. I watched the. I basically watched it in like a couple days. It was really good. I, I really. It was one of those shows where it just you enjoy like every second of. It. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it's like super fun. It's funny. Um, it is grotesque in a lot of ways. Like it's. I kind of <laughs> has a little bit of everything. Uh, like it took me a minute to realize that Homelander was the guy from Banshee. Have you ever watched Banshee? I have not. Banshee has some of the wildest, grossest action sequences of any television show in history, and they're awesome. That makes a lot of sense, because <laughs> the boy seems to be doing that really well. Like, they've done, like, I watch True Blood, and this is a completely different genre, of course, like, not superhero, but, like, the boys to me is what I would always want True Blood to be. Like, actual, like, pretty good acting, entertaining all the time, and, and it just accomplishes what it's set out to. It, it's not as much, like, True Blood was, like, a complete shit show, kind of. It was just, like, it would, a show that, that people that drink a lot would probably just watch it and make it more interesting. <laughs> but I just thought, like, the boys is able to capitalize on things that I thought True Blood was never able to. Oh. Oh my god. <laughs> True Blood. What a show. 
I was, was really, in, I, I was really into it for the first like two or three seasons, and then I was like, "Oh, this is this is garbage." <laughs> it's good it garbage. Is. It but was it's garbage, garbage, but it was like entertaining. It was just so different. You know what I mean? It was like a classic, like kind of HBO. Just do anything's on the table, right? And that's kind of what boy, the boys is like. Anything's on the table in that show. It really is. Yeah, this is this is less garbage than the boys, but anything oh, yeah. is on the table. You could tell me anything happens in that show. And I'm like a hundred percent. Cause I've never read the comic. <laughs> so like, I don't know what's going to happen, but like you could literally pitch me on anything happening. And I'd be like, yes, I believe that. <laughs> Same here on, on both fronts. Um, Cole, tell the people where they can find your work. As usual on the com. I plugged this the last podcast that we did that was definitely worthwhile in one podcast, but uh, I'm probably going to do like some kind of mapping out the um, first round of this coming draft. A lot of the process we talked about, like a Coro and kind of identifying value. So look for that on the step in and continue to listen to this podcast. Go to the step in, go to the athletic, keep me employed there. Go uh, listen to this podcast. Listen to listen to other podcasts too. They're great. I, I listen to podcasts regularly while I work. Um, later this week, I will have the next installment in my uh, rookie scale rankings. I released the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks took a while to write because I was trying to figure out how to be fair. Uh, they were a tough evaluation, if only because their entire roster, as we talked about in the last podcast, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I also took a little bit of a fire hose to the Knicks uh, president of or team president, Steve Mills, and all of that. Go read, go read the athletic, go read that article at some point. But until next time, uh, we will talk soon. Bye.